What moves you? What really moves you? Do you cry during movies? Anyone? We were, we were watching a movie last night. Zeke, you cried during movies. Thanks for being honest. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I saw that hand. We were watching a movie last night, and my wife began to cry at a certain point, and I knew she was going to because I know her heart. I know, I know the exact points where she'll cry in movies because I've known her a while. I cannot confirm or deny whether I was crying. <laughs> I'm not saying whether I was moved. I was moved twice during the movie. Once I moved from the couch to the fridge. <laughs> and then I moved from the couch to the freezer. <laughs> but what moves you? What stirs your heart? What moves Jesus? What stirs Jesus' heart? What moves him? And so this new series, we're going to take a moment to look at that. We are wanting to look deeply, or as, as deeply as we can. It's not possible to look into the full depths of who Jesus is. But we want to look at what he is like. What is Jesus like? Not what has he done. We sang this morning what he's done, what he's done. And that is amazing and incredible. And rightly so, we should look at what he's done and consider it and ponder it. But we're asking, what is Jesus like? What is it like to know him? I know when Anna's going to cry in a movie. Do you know Jesus like that? That you know what moves his heart. You know this, this is where Jesus is moving towards. Or this is how Jesus responds. It's one thing to know the doctrines of Christianity. The incarnation, Jesus, fully God, became fully man. That's lovely. The atonement, Jesus completely paid for my sin. That's a great doctrine. These are great doctrines. The doctrine of salvation, that I'm welcomed back into the family, adopted into God's family by believing upon Jesus and trusting in Him. These are great doctrines, and we ought to know them. But oh, to know the heart of Christ. Oh, to know what does He think of me? How does He feel towards me? to know or experience or to feel and engage with the actual person of Jesus, not purely the doctrines. What is it like? What is he like? What is Jesus like? Not just what has he done for sinners, but how does he feel about sinners? Not just what has he done for me, but how does he feel about me? So we're trusting that this will be a wonderful series as we do that. The text is Matthew 9, and it's giving you the story of Jesus' ministry, what he's doing. And he's roaming around from city to village. It says he went from, verse 35, he went from throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and affliction. But when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He was moved by compassion seeing the crowds, and he says the reason was because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was moved when he saw the crowds. The kind of biblical use of this word compassion is deeper than just the word we have. You can feel compassion for something but do nothing. It's more that he was moved by the compassion. It changed his heart. At that moment, he wanted to come towards, to engage with, to help. It wasn't just, oh, that, that's kind of, that's a little bit sad that they're so helpless. 
he was moved by it. The, it's to feel deep sympathy, to almost ache for. In fact, the word is translated by some translated as, and because it appears there, I'm only saying this because it's in the Bible, it says to have your bowels yearn. <laughs> now, I don't think that translates to today. If your bowels yearn now, we, we may move away from you, not towards you. <laughs> but the bowels in, the, in that culture was the seat of the deepest feelings, that which moved you. You were very, very Im- felt, felt deeply about it, to have uh, his bowels yearned. So I can see why a lot of translations haven't gone with that version of it. But to be moved deeply, to be stirred deeply. Let me read you a few verses about Jesus being moved. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he saw them, he went ashore and he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He was moved deeply by them. Mark, in the same story, says that he was, had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them. He began to instruct them in who God was. When Jesus called his disciples to himself, he said to them, I have compassion on this crowd because they have been with me now three days and had nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they fall and faint. Matthew 20, Jesus had compassion on two blind men who came to him to call out to him and he looked upon them and said that Jesus looked at them and had compassion on them and touching their eyes, immediately they recovered their sight. Jesus was moved inside by his compassion. As he drew near, Luke chapter 7, to the gate of the town, behold, a man had died and was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow A considerable crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion upon her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And then he came up and touched her, touched, sorry, the briar, and the bearers stood still, and he said to the young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Jesus moved by compassion. Jesus, in telling his parables about the kingdom of God, used the same phrase of deep compassion. He used it of the master who forgave the debt of the one who could not repay the debt. Matthew 18, verse 27, it says, And out of great compassion, out of being moved deeply for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him from his debt. He used it in the parable of the Good Samaritan, But the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to cross to where he was, the man who had been beaten and left for dead. And when he saw him, he was moved by compassion. Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son and the father waiting for the son to come back. It says, he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. Jesus describing the compassion of the Father, the compassion of the judge who wants to forgive the debt, the compassion of the Good Samaritan who rescues those who are broken and fallen. This is not only a New Testament idea. The prophet Hosea speaks about God in the same way. In Hosea 11, to the people of God, the people of God had rejected him and were 
far from God. They were sinning and running away from God. And this is how God describes these people. A people who are in the midst of their sin. Hosea describes it like this. Hosea 11 verse 7. My people are bent on turning away. And they turn from me. And though they call out to the Most High, I shall not rise up to meet them at all. So God is clearly at odds with them. And yet he says this, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over? How could I make you like Adam, the other nations, and treat you like one of the other nations, Zebulun? For my heart recoils within me, and my compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my anger against you. And I will not destroy you, for I am God and not a man. I am the Holy One in your midst. I cannot come in wrath. My compassion grows warm and tender. Even to the people who rebelled against God, his compassion overtook him. And he said, I cannot wipe you out, my people. Jesus, arriving at Jerusalem, wept over the city. We covered that text last week. He arrives and he's moved by compassion. He just begins to weep over the city that had not come to God, the city that had been sent prophet after prophet and not returned to him. Are you beginning to get a picture of the compassion and the nature of God? Not what he's done, but why he's done it, who he is, who is Jesus. He weeps for us. This is our God. Isn't he beautiful? You cannot exaggerate the depths of the heart of Christ. You can neglect it, but you cannot exaggerate it. You might have a question, which I have myself, what about God's justice? (laughs) Is it really, God really that compassion? Is the depths of his compassion that deep? What about justice? Do justice and mercy go together? Are Are they at odds? Justice and mercy rise and fall together. Jesus' compassion to rush towards the sinner is equal to his justice. I think in my own heart, I've always kind of believed God is essentially just and he has to put on compassion. It's like God's just just and every now and again he has to really fire himself up enough to be compassionate towards us because he has to overlook our sin. The scripture teaches the opposite, that compassion, gentle and lowly is Jesus. The heart of Jesus is compassion. He is love. He's not putting it on. It's not something he has to decide to do. It comes from his deepest heart. It's his first motivation. It's his first move. And we just believe both of them completely. Of course, in the cross, we see that's the only way you can resolve that mystery, right? (laughs) It's because Jesus came and satisfied completely the justice and the mercy and compassion of God. But I want you this morning to think afresh that he doesn't put on compassion. It's as, it's as much a part of him as his justice is. It is his very nature. It is the nature of Jesus to be compassionate. Point, so that's the compassion of God, the compassion of Jesus. Point number two... We are sheep who need a shepherd. <laughs> Matthew 9, Jesus was teaching and proclaiming the gospel, healing every disease, and when he saw them, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Harassed and helpless is how the Bible describes us. You may, you may not feel like that, or you might totally feel like that. <laughs> I think I've been both. <laughs> Sometimes you feel you're doing okay, other times you feel you're helpless. It was the harassed and helpless state of the people that moved Jesus' compassion. The CSB translates it like this, they were distressed and dejected. Think about Jesus and who he is. Here is Jesus, the cleanest person in the universe, the cleanest person to ever walk the face of the earth. In his mind and heart, he is perfect in purity. He's perfect in holiness. He's perfect in loveliness. And the Bible teaches that in this regard, he is perfect. He is without sin. Here's the perfect person. The natural disposition of the human heart is to draw back and recoil. So my disposition, when I see uncleanness, is to run away from it. So if you have been to the gym or been on a run, is that the moment where you embrace someone deeply? <laughs> Anyone, do that? Anyone do that just out of a natural response when you see a sweaty person? Come here and give me a hug. No, you don't want to get contaminated. You're like, let's, let's just wait. I want to wait till you've had a shower. Then, then maybe we can uh, be close to each other again. That's the natural disposition of the human heart. When you see, if you've been to the gym, the other one is children. You know, they play or eat their food. Everyone have children trying to eat food and then they want to cuddle you at the same time? That's not happening. I recoil within me against that. I don't want to be unclean. How about... If you see someone who's living on the streets, is it your natural motivate, like your natural inclination to get close to them? Anyone? Not really, not me. How about a gangster? You see a gangster on the street, a barky, a gangster, not Yuzik, you're not a gangster. <laughs> a real gangster. <laughs> do, you, do you sort of walk, walk sideways or do you walk close? Hey, how you going, bro? What's up? Give me a cuddle. No, you, the you're kind of a bit worried. What about someone who's a, an addict who's under the influence, maybe high on drugs or very drunk? Do you, is it your natural inclination to go and have a long conversation with them? How about someone who has chickenpox or measles or coronavirus? Do you get close? We'll leave it there. I recoil within me. I recoil because I don't want to become dirty or sick. I don't want to catch the disease. I don't want to be attacked by the bike. Or even. I, understandably in some sense, have a human recoiling within me. Jesus has no concern for becoming unclean. You cannot make Jesus unclean. He doesn't have the problem we have. Indeed, he cannot be. Jesus has no concern for becoming diseased. He cannot be diseased. He has no concern about being injured or attacked or killed. He cannot be killed. He is life itself. Can you imagine being like that? There is no one in the universe like Jesus. His natural state, he has no fear of any of those things. So coming close to the broken, to the diseased, to the angry to the, any form of sin, is, he has no fear of it at all. 
that doesn't bother him in the slightest. We don't understand that because our natural response is, of course, I run away from all of that. The heart and nature, I'm talking about who is Jesus. In his very nature, he has no fear of any of that. We do break these rules of self-protection occasionally. When a loved one is sick, if you think of a father or mother or brother or sister or a child who's sick, do you hold back your embrace or do you just not care anymore? So even in our human condition, there are certain moments where we don't care because we love that person, where we just embrace them, we we do everything we can. If they were being attacked, we would throw ourselves in in the way to stop them from being uh, hurt in any way. We would rush to their aid. Think about Jesus, who is perfect love, who loves more deeply every human heart more deeply than I could ever love anyone, my mother or brothers, sisters, family, my wife, my kids. Jesus loves way better than I do. Think about his first response to any person in the universe. That he loves more deeply. He rushes faster and quicker than any of us would ever do it. And he has no fears of being contaminated or hurt. Isn't he amazing? I hope this morning you begin to see that Jesus rushes towards the broken. In our hearts, I think, and I know myself, have most often thought he doesn't. I thought he's had to overcome his holiness to dare to try and come near to sinners. The opposite is true. The biblical framework is that Jesus has no fear of drawing near to sinners. In fact, he loves them and wants to rescue them. The compassion of Jesus. Oh, the goodness the goodness of Jesus. And it gets better. Think about this. When Jesus embraces you, he does not become unclean, but you become clean. When Jesus embraces you, he does not become unclean or unholy, rather you become clean, forgiven, and holy. The sinner becomes clean. He reaches out with the mighty, invincible cleansing. And he cannot bear to do otherwise. He cannot bear to do anything but reach out to cleanse the sinner. That is his, who he is. There is no one like that in all the universe. He doesn't just love. He is love. The sheep who need a shepherd. Jesus is moved because of the state of of where we're at. He moves towards us. If you're in any sort of need, Jesus is ready to rush towards you. Isn't he glorious? Who wouldn't want a shepherd like that? Sheep without a shepherd? What would you like? What kind of shepherd do you want? Do you want a shepherd like Jesus who has no fear of any contamination, who rushes towards us? You know what it does for us? It makes us able to just come to him. If our mindset is the first one where somehow he's going to, if I approach him, he may have to overcome his holiness to kind of come towards me. I'll do it slowly and carefully. But if our theology, <laughs> our thinking, our understanding of Jesus is this, which is the true Jesus, 
It makes coming to him simple, quick, easy, fearless. We can come to him. What a shepherd. I want that shepherd. What kind of shepherd do you want? Who is your shepherd? Is it Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners? He's a much better shepherd than food. I was moved by food. Went to the refrigerator during the movie. Didn't last very long. Had to go back to the freezer. Didn't satisfy. Only Jesus is the good shepherd. Maybe it's being liked. He can't shepherd you. Maybe if you think, if you watch enough Netflix, I won't be sad anymore. Maybe it's your independence. Freedom from interference. It won't rescue you. It won't make you clean. The only one who makes us whole is when Jesus comes to us and embraces us. That's how we come to freedom. Mark chapter 1 reads like this, the story of the leper. The leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, and he said to him, if you are willing, make me clean. And moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing, be clean. Coming to Jesus, it is your burden which qualifies you. Uncleanness of, and sin and burden, these are the very things which cause the great unsearchable depths of Jesus' compassion to rush towards you. We can always run to Jesus, Jesus, strong and kind, the one who will not snuff out a bruised reed, the one who will not quench the wick which is burning at its lowest ember. I hope this morning that you're seeing a picture of who Jesus is, how he is towards us, how he feels about us, and that he wants to move towards us. Jesus came for the burden, he came for the lost, he came for the weary, and that is good news for all of us. Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners. We are like sheep who need a great shepherd, and what a great shepherd he is. I'm going to move to the last point and try to bring some application. Please don't bring application without going to point one and two, right? <laughs> Jesus, the mighty compassionate friend of sinners. Let me read to you about us sheep who do have a shepherd, us who know Jesus. Peter describes Jesus like this, and he puts it to the church. He says, Jesus, who committed no sin, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. He was reviled, but he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. What a picture, huh? Jesus reviled and did not, nothing in return, suffered and did not threaten. He continued entrusting himself to God who judges justly. He did not take up his own cause, but he entrusted it to God. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, meeting God's justice, that we might die to our sin and live for righteousness. And by his wounds you have been healed the one who is holy and clean, who comes towards us and brings us rescue, cleanness, holiness. You were straying like sheep, but now you have returned 
to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Jesus, moved by compassion, said these people are like sheep without a shepherd. Peter describes the church as those who have received the great shepherd and the overseer. We are not harassed and helpless, praise God. We have received Jesus. He has come to us. Describing God, Lamentation says, because the Lord's, of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Because of his great compassion, which never fails. His mercies are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. The compassion of God which comes to us. Isaiah 30, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and will show you his compassion. For the Lord is the God of justice, but blessed are all who trust or wait for him. Isaiah 54.10, For though the mountains shake and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you shall not be shaken, nor can my covenant of peace be removed from you. See, I cannot forget you. I have engraved you in the palms of my hand. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion for a child that she has born? She may forget, but I will not. How deep is the love and compassion of God towards us, his people? We are no longer harassed and helpless, but we have a great shepherd and overseer of our souls. For though Jesus promised to shepherd us, he also left us the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know, but Jesus ascended into heaven after his death and resurrection. But he said, it's better that I go and I will send to you the Holy Spirit. Think about that for a moment. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit and he said that the Holy Spirit will be with you and in fact he will live in you. That's, that's a mystery. How does that happen? That is truly amazing. That is the most comforted you could ever be. When Jesus moved towards the leper, he touched him and had compassion on him, said, your sins are forgiven. He reached out while on earth to people, loved them, was moved by compassion, gave a mother back her dead son, healed the lepers, healed the blinds, the blind. Can I tell you a secret? Now it's even better. Jesus doesn't only come to us and help us out. We have the Holy Spirit. If Jesus touched you and you were healed and better, now you have God with you. I don't know how it works, but I'm just saying it's better than Jesus being around. The Holy Spirit is with you. You are shepherded and loved more than any, anything you could ever dream of or think of. You have the Holy Spirit. He is so close. It's a miracle. It's a mystery. It's great joy. It is life itself. There is no life like this to be shepherded and comforted by the Holy Spirit. Christ is very close. In fact, he calls us his very own body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says we are his body. That's how comforted we are. I know I comfort my own body more than any other one body. 
around. <laughs> That's why I went to the fridge, because I needed some comfort. Think about it. You are Jesus' body. How comforted are you? How much compassion does Jesus have for you? How much compassion do you have for yourself? <laughs> Jesus, you are his body. And so the outcome for the believer is incredible. This compassion of Jesus. One, that the way he loves us. Two, that it has come to us in the Holy Spirit. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those who are in trouble with the same comfort we ourselves have received from God. Therefore you, as God's chosen people, Colossians 3, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love Paul. He tells us that we can clothe ourselves with this compassion, hinting that we're not Jesus, right? We've got to put this on a little bit. <laughs> Jesus, it's not Jesus doesn't have to put this on. That is who he is. We've received it from him. But the application for the believer, Paul is encouraging us, this incredible comfort, if you know it and understand it and love it and have received it and are walking in it, not you think God is somehow slightly discompassionate, but you understand. You understand the compassion with the comfort you have received. Then you can put that on. You can draw near to the broken. Imagine a church that draws near to the brokenness of others, that draws near to the deficiencies of others. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and gentleness. Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate or tender-hearted, to one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Finally, 1 Peter 3.8, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Oh, to be like him. Oh, to be like him. Could a church become more like him? Yes, we have the Holy Spirit. Could we move towards the broken and the sinner? In loving kindness, yes, we can. I would love, I think, I, I have a favorite phrase I think I'm using at the moment is that you can't fake this. <laughs> you can't fake it. Jesus was moved by compassion. He wasn't faking it. It wasn't something he, he was putting on. It was something was real. He looked upon the crowd, he looked upon Jerusalem and he wept. Oh, to be like him. Not that we would just know the doctrines, but we would know the person of Jesus. We'd know who he is. I think Ray Ordlin says it's completely possible to be doctrinally orthodox, i.e. have all your doctrines correct, but culturally not orthodox. I'm saying it badly. You should go read what he says. But <laughs> Basically, your doctrine is correct, but your culture is not. So, oh, we believe in the love of God, but 
there's a complete lack of love, actually a real, is a fake version of love in the church. Culturally not orthodox. Good doctrine, poor culture. You can't fake this stuff. Jesus, oh, to be like you. Show us who you are. Sometimes a warm hug does something that words cannot do. Let us have compassion one for another. Jesus, I'm going to bring this to land and hand over to Jib to lead us into communion. But I just want to finish with a, a quote from Dane Ortland and a couple of finishing thoughts. But Dane says of Jesus that Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not the pointed finger, but open arms. What's your most natural posture? The pointed finger or open arms? Jesus is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not the pointed finger, but open arms. For all of his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, no one in all of human history has ever been more approachable than Jesus. There are no prerequisites, no minimum bar. Simply open yourself to him. If this is not your picture of Jesus, and hasn't been mine, then we have some changing to do. Yes, in our doctrine, but more importantly, in our interaction, our life, and in our culture, in our heart, in our understanding and interaction of who Jesus is. Do you not just believe, but do you know and feel the compassion of Jesus towards you so that it might overflow to others? In that order, do you know and feel the compassion of Jesus or do you not really believe in that? Maybe you believe it mentally, but you don't know it experientially. Do you know and feel the compassion of Jesus that it might overflow to others? Let me pray.